Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Ken Rusk, and we'll be talking about his journey as well as his new book, Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. In a period of skyrocketing student loan debt without the promise of high-paying employment, and in an economy in desperate need of skilled tradespeople, many are seeking new paths. Ken Rusk, the million-dollar ditch digger, is here to show you that blue-collar trades are a source of pride that you can and will find your version of happiness by pursuing a good old-fashioned craft. In blue-collar cash, Ken shares his insights from more than 30 years working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. He is a blue-collar construction business entrepreneur who has launched multiple successful endeavors over the past 30 years. For the first years of his young working life, he dug ditches for a basement repair company in northern Ohio. Over the years, he has dug his way to a good life, one shovel of of dirt at a time. And now he's teaching others to do the same. Ken has extensive experience in hiring, training, and developing first-time job seekers, particularly those without college degrees. For more information, you can visit Ken's website, which is www.kenrusk.com. That's K-E-N-R-U-S-K.com. With that, I'd like to welcome Ken to the show. Good day, Ken. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It is my pleasure, and, and this seems to be a very um, topical subject for uh, for us because, I mean, there's uh, been so much attention uh, given to blue-collar trades. So I'd, I'd like to first start, um, would you mind sharing with the listeners just um, a little bit about, a little bit more than what I did in the introduction about yourself and your journey in, in the uh, the blue collar uh, path. Well, sure, absolutely. You, you know, and again, thank you for having me on the show. Um, for me, it was kind of simple. You know, when I was 15, uh, my high school that I went to, it, it shared a property line with a fence on it that um, separated us from an industrial park. And there was a hole in that fence, and we used to have to go through that hole in that fence to get to the carryout that we would hang out in after school, as kids used to do back then. And uh, I always remember walking through there, and as I would pass these businesses, they were always very busy, very thriving, lots of energy. And there was there was great things that kids, you know, young guys liked to see. There was, you know, dump trucks and backhoes and tow motors and guys milling around and you know, it was just seemed like there was a lot of energy um, in, in, in this particular company. So I walked in one day and said, what do you guys do here? And they said, you know, we basically dig ditches for 
Um, we, we clean up old basements and foundations and um, make them dry and, and healthy and livable. So I said, well, you know, I think I could do that. You know, I, I need money like anybody else. I need money to, you know, go bowling or go to the pizza shop or take my girlfriend out or whatever. So I said, I, I can do that. So I signed up and um, I used to dig ditches in the uh, the summertime when I wasn't in school. And in the winter, I would work inside the office um, after school. So I did that for a few years, and what ended up happening is our company grew very quickly. And um, because of that growth, we had to start opening satellite offices all around the Midwest. And uh, they came to me and said, do you want to be involved in that, which I did. And, um, you know, long story short, I opened up a half a dozen offices and then got tired of living out of a suitcase. So I came home to, uh, you know, the, the northern Ohio area where I am today, and, uh, and we opened up our, our, our company here in 1986. Now we have two locations. We started with six people, and now we have nearly 200. So it's been a very blessed ride, and we're very grateful for it. Yeah, it sounds, uh, you know, from what I, I read in the book about um, in, the, in the very beginning, you had an employee that you sat down with and, it kind of helped mentor through some of his struggles. And it seemed to be maybe the the basis for, you know, your future work in, in helping others. Can you, would you mind sharing um, a little bit about kind of how that unfolded? Well, you know, um, I always call myself um, when I'm dealing with people. And, you know, when, when you have a staff as, as large as ours, you have to hire a lot of people. And over the last 30-some years, I'm sure we've hired a couple thousand uh, um, people to help uh, get our company moving. And so you, you almost become an involuntary life coach at that point. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean it positively. You know, I don't have any letters after my name. I don't have any formal training. I never went to college. So, you know, I got involved in um, with a, a lot of these, these younger folks that we hired. It was maybe their second or third job or even their first job. You know, and, and we started doing a lot of things like um, helping them with their future, helping them get themselves started. So, you know, we would help them with their first car and we would help them with their first maybe checking account, apartment, visa card, whatever it might have been, helping straighten out their driver's license or whatever they needed to do. And it became kind of a really nice um, thing for me to get involved in because I got to make a difference in people's lives at a young age and set them on a really solid path towards the future. And Tim, the one that you're mentioning, he was probably the very first one that, um, that we did this with. And he was a great guy, 19 years old, came into my office and said, you know, I, you know, I, I have these issues. I, I, I want to get married and, and my wife has all these medical issues and, um, you know, she's pregnant and I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm going to need a bigger place. And so we just sat down and I said, okay, let's get a piece of paper. We got a piece of large poster board and we took out some markers and crayons and we just kind of drew what he wanted his life to look like. And we created this, this picture and we followed that picture piece by piece, part by part for the next 30 years. And I'm happy to say that, um, you know, he's had four kids now, some went to school, some went into the military, um, after high school. And, um, He's still here, and he's doing a great job, and his life is, is really, really set well for him. And he likes to give me, uh, Robert, all the credit for it. And I said, listen, you know, I may have had 2% to do with that, but 
but um, you had the other uh, 98%, and, and it's a great story. Yeah, it, it is. You know, and it's wonderful that that you take the time to share your life experience and be able to kind of work on, on that together. Now, um, one of the, the things um, that I think comes up in discussions when we're talking about like a, a blue-collar path as far as, you know, a vocation versus a something at the end of a college kind of education. Um, can you – what do you think maybe um, – it seems that, you know, blue-collar has gotten – I don't say a bad rap, but, I mean, it's one of those things where people sometimes don't give – enough credence, I think, to the the skill, <laughs> you know, that the blue collar sure. brings. So what what the what's your view of how blue collar, you know, that, that phrase, how it is in today's world or today's society? Well, that's a, that's a really easy question to answer. There there was probably a, a confluence of three different things that makes um, blue collar work seem somewhat stigmatized. And the first one was, you know, back in the eighties, someone decided that we should get rid of shop class in high schools and replace those rooms with computers. Now I know that computers are important. I mean, we needed to learn them, but my, my thinking was, why did that have to be a binary choice? Meaning one or the other, why couldn't we have had both? Because what happened there is we accidentally, eliminated the discovery of carpentry, plumbing, mechanics, home economics, you know, baking, welding, auto mechanics. We accidentally eliminated the discovery of those trades from high schools and high school kids by eliminating those, those, um, those different pathways. And mm-hmm. we focused only on learn computers and then, Let's, you know, figure out where you're going to go to college. So the, you know, there's 165 million people working in the United States at any one time at full employment. And about 70 million of those people do something with their hands. So you have to, you have to know that you can't just shut off that supply of, of carpenters, plumbers, electricians, and what have you. You can't just shut that supply off without having some long-term effects. So, then you couple that with you, you have, you know, kids these days aren't going out in the backyard and getting a hammer and nails and lumber and building a tree fort or, you know, doing the things that they used to do. Now they're building, you know, buildings on with, with Minecraft on their cell phones. And, you know, that's just not the same experience. So now you're, you're eliminating these people moving up and coming up from not even knowing how to hold a tool properly. So, you know, that's, that's number two. The, the third one is, for some reason, we shifted our thinking as parents, especially when we were, you know, influenced by colleges that, you know, I have to raise my child, I have to clothe my child, I have to feed my child, and I have to educate my child, and I have to send them to college. Like, that's like just the default thinking when – nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to success because, you know, college is one of only four or five ways to get to the success that you want for yourself. And yet this is where we are. So I think those three influences really 
you know, they, they really put a heavy hand on top of the blue collar industry and they almost made it somewhat stigmatized for kids to go to those trades and to discover those things and use them as, as careers. Because if you weren't going to college, there might've been something, you know, something amiss with you. And that, that's just, um, like I said, nothing could be further from the truth there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, yeah, when, when I was kind of reading the book and thinking back, I, I remember my shop day, you know, shop days in, in class. And, and it was, um, even though that wasn't and it didn't end up being my um, medium of choice to express creativity, um, but it, it did give that hands-on experience. And uh, and I think you know you're right that that the process itself is important to instill in in young people. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, if you think about this for a moment. You know, I, I did a lot of different jobs, and one of them was I was a landscaper. And, and I'll never forget, you know, I would show up with the dump truck with six pine trees to someone's front yard, and I would plant those pine trees. I would dig the holes. I'd put the trees in. I would water them. I would put stakes around them so they stayed straight and tall. And then I would put the mulch down and make a bed around them. And I always remembered at the end of the day, I would walk 20 paces away from that, turn around and look back, lean on that shovel and say, wow, I did that. That is going to stand the test of time. Look at how beautiful that is, that creation that I did with my own two hands. And, you know, sometimes I think we get lost in that because, you know, if not that office jobs aren't important, but if you're stuck on the 15th floor of some skyscraper somewhere, and you don't really know how you even fit into the whole company operation, you just don't really get, that same stand back moment that you do from, from creating something yourself. So, yeah, I think you're right there. I think that's a very important thing that people tend to miss. Yeah. Now, kind of going along that educational, keeping in mind that educational kind of line of thinking, um, you know, you mentioned this, you know, in the eighties about how um, computers kind of took the place of a lot of the vocational kinds of classes that would be in, um, which were normal up to that point. Um, what what do you feel? Uh, do you feel that it's just we need to kind of add them back in? What what do you feel would be a good starting remedy in that educational process? To, to well, the, bring the, it back? the very first thing, the very first thing, Robert, that we need to do is we need to tell our parents it's okay if you don't send your kid to college. I mean, if you have three kids and one of them wants to be a doctor, and, and by the way, I, I should say, I always say at the onset, I'm not anti-college at all. I mean, if you're going to operate on my shoulders so I can get back on the golf course, I want you to know everything there is to know before you pick up a knife and, and come at me, right? Um, if you're going to teach somebody something or if you're going to engineer a building or if you're going to manage someone's money, yeah, I want you to know everything there is to know um, about that particular skill set, so go get your degree and do that. But if you're just going because someone said you have to go, and and that might be your parents or your teachers or your college, your local your local colleges, you really need to take a step back because, you know, if you look at college and and how efficient they are, 
there's some there's some pretty serious um, shortfalls to to this this path for some people, and that is mm-hmm. you know forty percent of people go into college not knowing what their major is going to be. There's another twenty five percent of them that have decided on a major that end up changing their major in the first two years, and then the the worst number of all, Robert is there are 35% of the people out there who have a degree that never used it ever in their career. So here, here you go paying $80,000 for something that you never use. Like you may end up with a, a degree in English you know, translation in, in, in Europe or something, a degree that is, is interesting, but you paid a lot of money for it and you're never going to use it. So you just have to take a step back and say, um, it parents, it's okay if your if your son or daughter doesn't go to college, they may well be better off doing something with their hands because that just might be the person that they are. And oh, by the way, if you look at the supply and demand problem that we have right now, where supply is low and demand is high for for blue collar workers, tradespeople, that's where all the money goes. So your son or daughter is going to make a very fine living working in the trades should they choose to take that path. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have a couple of brothers and two of us were college bound and the third was trade bound. And um, he was, you know, he was always, I mean, college just was not, but this wasn't him, you know, and uh, did, you know, had any desire to, to follow that path. And, and there was um, the, oh, kind of you can't make it type of you know, mentality that <laughs> could have probably happened, you know, from, from all around, you know, directed to them, you know. And, um, but nonetheless, you know, it's one of those cases where you're not, um, not everyone is, College isn't the right answer for everyone, you know, and, and when, you, when you talked about, you know, the, the vocational aspect, do you feel that, um, what's your feeling about um, vocational schools, you know, as um, alternatives to college? Well, that, that is a great question. I, I had the good fortune of visiting um, a, a place here in, in Northeast Ohio that was a, 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 a vocational school. And I got to tell you, it, it looked like a high school. It felt like a high school. The only difference was I could walk from one large room that had robotics and engineering in it. I could walk to the very next room, and there was an interior design studio and a full-size one. I went to the next room, and there was a hair salon. I went to the next room, and there was a welding shop and then a carpentry shop and then a machining shop and a welding shop. And it was so cool because, you know, as, as I was taking this tour, I was thinking to myself, you know, every kid needs to go through a tour like this just so that they can see what their options are before they just blindly go into college. And, and I'll give you a good example. I'm, 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 I'm renting a car. This is about a year ago. And I had to rent this car because my car was going to be down for three weeks. They had to take the dashboard out. It was a really complicated mess. But anyways, so I went to this rental car co- company, and, and I had to, I had to um, wait for like an hour for this car to come in. 
And so I'm talking to the guy behind the counter, and he was a nice young man. I mean, he came out in a three-piece suit, and I think each piece was from a different suit. But he was really trying to do a great job, and I really appreciated that. But the funny thing was, the more we got to talking, the more he said, you know, I I really think I was sold a a bad bill of goods. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, my my parents told me I had to go to college, so I did. I got $80,000 in debt. I came out with this rather bland business degree, and here I am working at a car rental place. I don't know how I'm ever going to pay that off, and when do I get to start my life, right? So he said, Mm -hmm. I think I would have much rather been a carpenter because I always enjoyed that. So, you know, my first answer was, well, you should go do that then because there's a lot of need for that and, and you're passionate about it. But it just goes to show how many kids are in that situation who are just going to college almost like a high school where it's just something they think they have to do, and yet it's a very expensive and it's a very inefficient, ineffective process for those who don't have a crystal clear reason why they're going. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and your comment about how, you know, a going into college would not necessarily knowing the major, changing the major, not doing I mean, I'm a perfect example. I went in there. I didn't when I started college. I didn't know what I wanted. I ended up getting a degree, a bachelor's in psychology. Never went to psychology. Went into banking right afterwards. Then into restaurant corporate <laughs> trading. You know, and now you know photographer and podcaster. So I mean, it's like absolutely nothing. You know, in that curriculum that I had, you know, applied to my life for for much of my life. But I think. Um, the, the the structure of, of the college, the, you know, studying, applying what one studies, uh, the socialization, you know, all of those, I think, are key components in that learning process. But like you said, with that particular vocational, you know, school that kind of looked like high school, I would think that those critical aspects would would still be um, uh, in that in those situations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I I totally agree with you. And you know, you know, there there's there's always it always comes down to the math sometimes. Like for example, I was um, talking to a group of parents the other day, and I remember they were talking about well, you know, this my son's going to this college and my daughter's going to that college, and they were very proud of where they were going. You know, it was almost like that was the way they measured their success is by what school they went to. And that's okay. But one of the things that I said was, you know, you have to look at it this way. Let's assume that you're paying $40,000 a year for one of those, those schools. That's $160,000, maybe 200 by the time you're done. Okay. That you owe, that is a negative on your asset base. You, you could have also gotten right out of high school gone to an apprenticeship, worked for a company, and made $40,000 a year, and had that one hundred sixty to 200000 in your pocket, not the college's pocket, and that's a $320,000 swing in your asset base by the time you're 23. So, you know, that's a house, that's a 401k, that's a car, that, that's a lot of things to get yourself started when 
you know, other people who borrow a lot of money to go to school and don't use their degree, they, they, they end up not get, being able to start their life for the first five or 10 years while they're paying that off. So all I'm saying is, you know, I don't think that we should be, we should be telling every child, okay, or every, every um, high schooler, you have to go to college because if that happens, we're going to oversupply what I call bland business degrees, like I said a minute ago, and we're going to undersupply the blue-collar fields, which, again, are, are experiencing a crisis of, of, of lack of people right now. I mean, who's going to build our bridges? Who's going to fix our roads? Who's going to do the infrastructure? Who's going to do all these things? that we need to have done, even putting an outlet in your house or putting a deck on the back of your house or landscaping it, who's going to do all those things if everyone's walking around with a college degree? I think we have to take a real hard look at why we're doing this and maybe swing that pendulum back a little bit and balance it out. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, it's, I, I think giving, you know, respect to, you know, Everyone's profession, you know. I mean, no matter where they are on the the job scale, you know, that um, just mutual respect for because it, we each provide um, a critical part, you know, to the picture, you know. And, and if if there are some pieces missing, there's not much you can do to complete the picture. Well, and and this is why I wrote the book because you know. The book's called Blue Collar Cash, but it's not all about getting a blue collar job. I mean, that that's a that's a probably maybe 25% of it. The other 75% of it is how are you thinking about the rest of your life, and how can I position you to think better about what you want your life to look like, or make that clearer and definitely more attainable. So I spend a lot of time teaching you how to to sit down and visualize your life in great vivid color and detail, put that down on a piece of paper and then hang that on your wall somewhere where you get to see that every single day. I'll tell you some quick, uh, another piece of quick math that that's pretty interesting. The university of Virginia tech did a study and their study showed that if they took a hundred people in a room and they sampled the hundred people and they said, okay, how many of you have, uh, goals that, that you're going after. Well, 80% of the people did not raise their hand. So that's 80 out of 100 mm-hmm. could not say that they had goals that they were currently going after. Of the 20 remaining that did raise their hand, he asked them, okay, how many of you, how, how many of you have written those things down in a crystal clear way? 16 of them said, we haven't written them down. They're kind of hopes and dreams and wishes. Four percent of them, four out of a hundred, said, "Yeah, we do write them down." But believe it or not, Robert, only one of them took the time to hang that on their wall somewhere, whether it's in, you know, their bathroom wall, their closet wall, their kitchen wall, whatever, where they saw it every single day and reviewed it. And guess what? That one percent who is willing to do that, they make eight times more money in their lifetime than the rest of them combined. So, again. If you're talking about building an effective human being, and I'm saying, you know, this, this book can help people from 15 to 50 think about their futures. If you're talking about building an effective human being, you have to start out with what is it that I want and what is it that I can draw that's crystal clear and then break down into pieces and then get those pieces one at a time until I complete my, my nirvana, my life puzzle, whatever that might be. 
And um, I, I just have to tell you, it, it is it is amazing the results that we see from that. Uh, great. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, Ken. And I do want to invite listeners, if you want to call in and ask Ken any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to post them there. And then when we come back from break, Ken, um, I'm going to want to talk about comfort, peace, and freedom, uh, crayon therapy, and five-gallon bucket. <laughs> so those just a few topics that I want to talk about when we come back, okay? Perfect. Good. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Ken Brusk. Uh, he is a blue-collar construction business entrepreneur as well as an author, mentor, and life coach. For more information, you can visit his website, which is www.kenrusk.com. And the name of his book is Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. Okay, with that, we're back, Ken. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. Okay. Thank you. Um, now, one of the um, critical points that you, you know, kind of you uh, thread throughout your book is that you talk about, you know, the idea of, uh, of happiness or maybe what, what everyone wants to achieve um, is comfort, peace, and financial freedom. And not just one of them, but all three of them. So can you tell us your perspective of that? Well, yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny because uh, when, when I first started writing this book, it, it, it almost started out as a letter to my daughter who was suffering from a pretty serious illness at the time. And, uh, you know, it's funny because when you get busy and you're building your company, you know, time is your most in, in important asset. So it, it, it came to the point where I said to myself, you know, I need to write her a letter to talk about what I think is important in life. Like, what should we all be chasing, really? Um, are, are we all going to go after McMansions and mega yachts and 15 cars? No. 
But each one of us has our own unique version of, man, you know what? If I could make my life look like that, that would be really cool. And it's all different. It's different for every one of us. So it, it just kept coming back to these three words, comfort, peace, and freedom, comfort, peace, and freedom. And they kind of form a triangle because they're interdependent upon each other. So what 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 I thought was, well, what what would make you comfortable in your life? And I'm not talking about a couch. And I'm talking about you know, mm-hmm. beyond the couch, are you comfortable with who you are? Are you comfortable with how, you know, you are perceived? Are you comfortable with your standing in your community and, and your involvement in the community? Are you comfortable with, you know, the way you take care of yourself and your health and your spirituality and, and your sport and your hobby? Are you comfortable in all those things? And if not, draw out the ones that you would want and put those down. Because what happens when you when you become that that person where you attain that comfort or that calm, you know, it brings on a lot of inner peace. And we all lead these lives of, you know, get up and go crazy until the nighttime and then collapse on the couch and then wake up and do it again the next day. And the time goes by and the weeks and the months and the years go by and you wonder, well, where, all, where did all that time go? So I, I like to really talk about can you get yourself to where you have this inner peace because you're comfortable with who you are? You know, a lot of people spend their whole lives trying to figure out who they are and they never draw it and they never figure it out. So if we can get to that quickly or, or more clearly in the beginning and then go after it, you're going to have this sense of inner peace. Well, when, when you combine those two elements together, it allows you to, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, it, it allows you to release some of that stress and it allows you to be more spontaneous. It allows you to, you know, think about maybe just going for a walk with your dog or, or taking a hike or, um, you know, calling one of your relatives or friends you haven't talked to in a long time or, you know, <clears throat> painting or doing a puzzle or something that you can, you can get lost in. And, and, and that whole thing um, allows you to be spontaneous, which is really tough in life anymore because we're all so busy. But spontaneous things are sometimes the best things. They're the most memorable ones. So concepts, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to do this in a couple minutes. With that. I, I wrote a whole chapter on this. But <laughs> these three concepts are really interconnected. They're very important. And they really are the thing that we should all be chasing in the end because, you know, uh, um, money or cars or or fame or you know all those things they they may give you um, access but it, they don't give you that ultimate goal which is what do I want my life to look like and how can I go get it? Yeah, and and comfort and, and peace and even financial freedom degree degree are all um, very unique. I mean, the, the, what is for one is not for another. So it's real important to be able to identify for you personally what what those are, you know, before you kind of go on to to pursue them. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and I, I, let me just throw this and add to this point. If I asked you right now to take 10 people and bring them into a room, give them each a piece of poster board and say, draw your ideal vacation, okay? By the time they were all done, you would have 10 completely different paintings or drawings. 
someone would want to go into the mountains. Someone would want to go skiing. Someone would want to go to Italy. Someone would want to go to the beach. Someone would want to go, you know, um, into a, a rainforest or, or to uh, a theme park or whatever. They would all be completely different. And, and that's, the, that's what I'm, I'm trying to say in, in this piece of comfort, peace, and freedom in, in that part is that get to where you know you would be the best you because only you know that. And only you are in control of what that is or what it looks like. So let's, let's start with the end in mind. Let's begin with the end in mind. And let's put that stuff down and say, man, if I could accomplish that kind of life, that would be really cool. And then we'll just go get it one piece at a time. Yeah, yeah. Now, you have uh, a unique um, form of therapy <laughs> that you talk about in your book called crayon therapy. So now, I, throughout the years, I'm, I've been doing this 12 years, and I think maybe I've had two people over the 12 years that actively used crayons. And um, it was, you know, each time it was a surprise. But um, you have, uh, you know, ideally a box of 64 crayons that you, you like. But can you tell the, the listeners, you know, how this came about and when, it, when you use that? Well, yeah, and, and this is, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. So if you think about sitting down with a box of crayons, almost every one of us goes back to when we were like, you know, four, three, four, five years of age, six years of age, you know, and we were so innocent and we didn't have a lot of stress on our, on our minds. We didn't have a lot of stuff clogging, you know, our outlook. We didn't have, you know, the job and the and the, you know, the boss and the Friday and the work and, and all that stuff. We, we had this moment where we could just be very calm. We could be very innocent. We could be very um, clear and we could just create. So I, I use the box of crayons in a way to set you back many years when you open that box. And I guarantee you, you're going to pull out your favorite color. You know, you'll be able to smell the crayons and go, wow, I haven't smelled that smell since I was, you know, in, in grade school. So part of the reason that we're talking about crayons is to get you back into that mindset. The other one is, is that there are no lines. I mean, this isn't a coloring book, okay? This is something where you take your favorite colors, you take your favorite crayons, you, 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 if you're going to draw a sunset over the mountain, over, the, you know, your house you want to build in the mountains or you want to have your you know, your, your apartment in the city or you want to have your farmhouse with the rolling hills, you know how what colors you're going to use to draw that. And when you colorize something, it's almost like watching a black and white movie or seeing a black and white photo versus a color photo. There's just so much more ownership and intensity and, you know, that whole vividness of color. So to me, it made a lot of sense to have, I don't care if you're 50 years old, open that box of crayons, pull them out, get a piece of, 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 of paper, and start drawing exactly what you want and keep drawing it. And, again, you may not finish this in a day. You might finish it like a puzzle. It might take you, you know, you add to it and you add to it and you add to it over, over a week or two. But when you're done, you're going to sit back and go, okay, well, first off, I created that. Secondly, I know exactly in detail what – like I drew a golden retriever and I named him Max. Okay, so I, I know that when I want a pet, when I get a pet, that's what it's going to be. And then these things just come to you one at a time. I mean, 
it's almost like this, Robert. You know, I look at when I think of vacations, you know, I think of everyone anticipating a vacation. Most people set them out four or five months, right? And they say, okay, I'm going to get my sandals. I'm going to get my uh, beach chair. I'm going to get my, my drink. I'm going to get my umbrella, my magazine. I'm going to get my, sun, you know, suntan lotion. I'm going to get, I think of all the things. I think of the sand, the ocean, the pounding of the seas, the, the breeze, uh, the music. I think of all those things, the warm sun on my, on my face. And I anticipate that for three or four months, five months before I actually go. Well, why shouldn't your life be that way? Why shouldn't your whole life be one that you anticipate as these pieces and parts start to come to you where you're saving money for a house and you're building money for a car and you're building money for maybe your 401k retirement plan or whatever? Why shouldn't you anticipate your entire life the same way you do a vacation? And once you lock into the power of that, you become an amazingly um, effective human being. Yeah, um, I, I love the, the ability to, you know, kind of put it down on paper and, and with, with cramps and kind of taking it back to the. Now, one thing, one of the things I I found interesting as you were describing that, you know, you had, you got to the point where you said, well, you you kind of know what colors you're going to use. Um, does um, does the fact that we already have kind of we predetermine the colors we're going to use that um, maybe prevents us from doing a, a blue sun or maybe, you know, a, you know, not a yellow sun, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know what I'm saying, kind of to take us beyond what we, what, what, what would be expected. Yeah. And, and, and I guarantee you that you're probably going to be a better colorer than you were when you were a child. That's for sure. But yeah, you, you, you have the ability, you have the ability to think outside the lines. You have the ability to, to draw outside the box, as they say, you know, you have the ability to get really creative. And um, this isn't a time where, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to color in the Mickey Mouse and you got to stay within the lines and do it perfectly according to someone else's image of Mickey Mouse you know, with maybe the black hat and the, you know, the red shoes or whatever he had. So mm -hmm. this is a time where you make this thing uniquely yours because I'll come back to the point earlier. Who but you knows what your life should be? Who, who but you knows what your life will look like or should look like in a way that makes you the best version of yourself or the, the happiest version of yourself? Nobody else can tell you what your life should be but you. So if you have that power and you know what would make you happy, well, then get out that box of crayons and start drawing it, and, and let's make it happen for you. Yeah, yeah, great. Now, you have another story in your book that I really like, and it uh, talks about ten, excuse me, five-gallon buckets, and um, that you have come to see the human psyche as strangely familiar to a five-gallon bucket. Now, I have never... <laughs> thought of the human psyche in the form of a five-gallon bucket, but, but they don't play a prominent role in my life. So can you share with the listeners, you know, where five-gallon uh, buckets kind of come into play and, and how you got to thinking about it in relation to the human psyche? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because 
in our business, we use a lot of five-gallon buckets. And, you know, everyone, when, when they're working at something, everyone always enjoys getting a new tool, you know, like a new brand-new tool, okay? So for us, we use a lot of buckets to haul the debris out of basements. And, and you know, we do, we do hard work. It's tough. However, if you have the right tools, you can make it happen in an easy way, okay? So for, for us, when we get new buckets, it's almost like, someone's getting a new dump truck <laughs> you know they're 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 happy because they work they don't break they're efficient and it helps them do their job so for us we are kind of enamored with five gallon buckets and it's just something that is just kind of our thing i know it sounds a little um a little simple but it it, it really is something neat for for the crews out there so what what i decided was i remember one day um I was watching the, the, a couple of foremen coming in, and both of these foremen, and I write about this in the book, both of these foremen were listening to the same person say the same thing, yet one took it one way and one took it another way. One was very positive about it. One was very negative. So I thought, wow, what, what happened to the mindset of both of those individuals hearing the same words from the same individual but yet reacting in totally different ways? So I said, you know, it seems to me – as though we need to look at the emotions and where those emotions lie, where do they live? So I likened your, the human head <laughs> to a five gallon bucket, meaning, you know, the first, very first bucket is our basic DNA. These are the things that happen that you don't even know happen. You know, the very, the very core of your body that just makes it work. And then as you go to the second and third bucket, you know, that's where, you have things like, you know, movements and, and digestion and breathing and those things that are not totally automatic, but there's something that we're conscious that we're doing. Then you move on to, you know, um, how, can we, how can we fill that, that, that bucket with education? Like, in other words, we, all of us start out as a blank hard drive. Okay, and we fill that hard drive with information. Well, that that third and fourth bucket is basically where we in, input information that helps us, you know, navigate the world, right? Well, the the fifth gallon, the fifth gallon, and that is the very top gallon of the bucket, the one that's the most volatile, the one that spills the easiest, is the emotions bucket. And in my mind, you know, emotions are kind of like you know, you're, you're standing in line at a very popular bar or restaurant and you can't get in because the place is full. So, you know, you're waiting for someone else to leave before you can uh, get in. And I think, I think emotions are exactly the same way. I think if you have a lot of anxiety going on, that takes the place of, you know, spontaneity or, or love or connection. I think if you have a lot of stress going on that takes away you know your feeling of peace your feeling of 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 calm of relaxation so you know these emotions are constantly fighting to get in and out of that fifth gallon because you simply can't hold them all or it'll just spill over the top so for me it, it was really natural to say well i have control of the emotions because what most people don't understand is that you know, things like anger and spite and jealousy and, and fear, a lot of those emotions 
are actually choices that we make. Now, they may be split-second choices, and you may feel like they're mm-hmm. involuntary choices, but they're still choices. So if you could choose, and I, I, I have a course that I teach that talks about the different emotions. If you could choose which ones you wanted in your head and which ones you wanted out of your head, what would they be and how would you do it? And, and again, the, the course is a really effective way of setting your mind straight because before I can start envisioning the world that I want for myself, I have to make darn sure that my head's right and that I have the proper emotions in and the improper ones, you know, off to the side. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm sure that that particular um, model was very helpful in, the, in talking to your employees you know, things that they could relate to, I would think. Absolutely, because most people, most people will argue with you all day long that emotions are a choice, but they really are a split-second choice. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult, but if you're conscious of it, if you're aware of it, and you say, wow, you know what, he's right. I am choosing to be in this bad mood right now. It is, you know, I'm, I'm, I spent the morning in a bad mood, but you know what, that was my choice to do that. That was my choice to be yeah. in a negative place or in a depressive place. So that, that to me is a very powerful statement to make because, you know, I would choose joy instead. I would choose happiness instead. I would choose admiration instead. I would choose those types of emotions rather than the other ones if, if I, once I realize that it's up to me to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and a lot of it, I'm sure, is based on our experience. You know, I mean, if we have – a lot of experience in choosing the, the negative view of things that occur, um, then it's kind of easy in a way to just go to that mode, you know, because you, you've got experience, you know how it feels, you know how to react, you know, basically you've got stuff that you can kind of compare it to. But if, you know, you're trying to be conscious of and, and choose better, um, then, you know, then it, it takes a little bit of work uh, to be able to do well, that. Yeah, um, not, and, exactly. Think of it this way. Think of it this way, Robert. If, if you were in charge of your friend's emotions and you're standing right, let, let's say you have a, a young gal and she's standing next to a young gal and her, her friend, you are in charge of her emotions and you followed her around and as things happened to her, she looked at you to choose what emotion she should feel at that moment. What would you tell her? I mean, would you tell her to spend an entire Saturday morning in a very sad place? Or would you say, all right, enough of that. You know, you can, you can be mad or sad about it for, for five minutes and then we're moving on. So what you're doing is you're giving her choices. Well, that's my, that's my point is that we all have those same choices. We just have to give them to ourselves. Because once you do that, yeah. man, you, you have all the opportunity in the world to create the life that you want for yourself. Yeah. It, it's much more peaceful if you choose your, you know, glass half full, more optimistic, um, you know, positive view, you know, versus um, the opposite. Uh, so, um, we're, gosh, we're getting down to the end of the show, um, Ken, but before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I, I understand that you're, that you've teamed up with a junior achievement of, of USA. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that that's one of the things that we're doing. We're teaming up with uh, with Junior Achievement, and what what we did was there was some there were some folks within our local office that read the book, and they loved it, and they called me up and. You know, I'm very blessed with this thing. I didn't think it would go 10 feet, much less 10 miles. And we just were awarded a Wall Street Journal bestseller status, which is really, really cool. And they they loved the program. So they asked us to help create a course with them where you can give it. It's, a, it's an eight-session course. You could take it in a weekend or you could take it, you know, once a week for 45 minutes. Um, it does have you draw some things, which is really fun. It's interactive. It's got videos in it. And the really cool thing is when you come out the other side of this course, you are a changed person. I mean, you are, if, if, you, if you do it, and, and it's a fun course to take. Um, I've had parents say, wow, my, my kids read this book with me, and now we're having conversations that I never thought we would have about his or her future. It's a fun course to take, and when you're done with it, you come out the other side going, you know what? I'm in control of my life. I'm in control of what my input is, my output is, my financial um, rewards from that are, and, and, for, and, and with what my picture looks like. I'm in control of all this. And it just makes for a much better person to know that they have all these options ahead of them in life rather than just kind of living Friday to Friday. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, this. Uh, I think, you know, people are allowed to follow their happiness, you know, what brings them joy. Um, we would probably have everything that we need covered, you know, if everybody was just doing what they love. Um, but, uh, you know, we kind of need to sometimes shake things up in order to, to get in line with, uh, you know, doing um, what brings us joy. So there's with a few minutes left. Is there any, any maybe a message you might want to leave the listeners or any particular um, hopes that you have from your new Amazon bestseller, New Calicast? Well, yeah. First off, I, I hope that people understand that I, I'm doing this because I've been very blessed. I haven't been lucky, and there's a big difference, okay? I've been very blessed because I worked very hard, and I visualized what I wanted, and then I chased after it. So now it's time for me to give back. So I give the proceeds from my book to charity, uh, charities like Junior Achievement and, and Make-A-Wish and, and others. And um, so just know that if you decide, I mean, if you go to KenRusk.com forward slash path or just KenRusk.com, you can see what we're up to there. Um, we're also on, uh, on Facebook at Ken Rusk Official. And um, there's a lot of great, great blogs and our email articles and, and, um, and, and content that we have there for people to look at. But just know that if you do decide um, to either get the book or, or, or take the course or whatever, um, know that you're not only helping yourself, but you're going to be helping someone else because we donate books and courses to local schools and whatnot. And um, so that's a very, very good thing. And it's also... Obviously, it's Christmas time, so if you're looking for something different and cool to get somebody um, rather than a T-shirt or a pair of shoes, <laughs> this would be a really neat thing to give, you know, your son or your daughter or a, ment a mentee that you might have out there that uh, you think might need to help a little bit. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, you know, especially as we get toward the end of the year, people often reflect 
have a lot of time of reflection, you know, kind of especially what, what am I going to be doing for the upcoming year and this time out uh, to maybe make that shift or something new. And, and uh, that might, your book might, just might be the the key to getting them off the fence. So, but uh, definitely a good idea. Well, Ken, I really wanted to thank you for your time today. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Robert. You know, it's, it's always fun to, to do these and share these ideas and, um, you know, you know, to your listeners, just so you, just so they know, you know, you've got this and you can make this happen, you know, take it one day at a time and make the life you want for yourself. And again, I hope y'all have a great holiday season. And, um, again, thank you for having me on the show today. You're very welcome and a happy holiday season to you and your loved one and a prosperous 2022. Thank you. And everyone, today, my special guest has been Ken Russ, and we have been talking about his new book, Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. And again, you can find out more about the book and courses by visiting the website, which is www.kenrusk.com, and that's K-E-N-R-U-S-K.com. And everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit byteradio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.